Hollywood is not easy for most people. But when you're a person of color or a woman or LGBTQ, things are much, much harder. Before coming to LA, you know, I lived in Venezuela. I grew up acting. And when I moved to the US, I quickly found that the roles offered to me were stereotypes or they didn't exist at all. And then when I moved to Hollywood, obviously, the problem I realized was much larger than I thought. So I decided to start creating my own content and won a bunch of awards at major festivals, but I could not get representation. I still couldn't get my projects funded the traditional way. And we've found ways for our clients to fund, produce, and distribute their films directly to audiences, circumventing the Hollywood system that often keeps us out. You're listening to Moneda Moves, a podcast where we cover the intersection of money and cultura. I'm your host, Leon Alfaro, a Latina award-winning journalist, producer, and strategist. On this podcast, I will highlight stories illustrating Latinx relationships with money, our contributions, and role in the American economy. Here, we'll increase transparency around the netto issues and achievements of our community, as well as that of our POC peers, to inspire you to pursue your own financial poder. Join me bi-weekly as we cover stories with our community's front and center, alongside dinero experts, entrepreneurs, and innovators. No te lo quieres perder. ¿Qué tal, mi gente? It's your host, Leanne Alfaro, and you're listening to Moneda Moves. You were just hearing from Fanny Grande, an award-winning filmmaker, actor, and director with more than 14 years of experience in the business. Unfortunately, the pain points she's expressed are quite common. Representation in Hollywood has historically not accurately reflected the talent in our communities. Latinos are more than 18% of the U.S. population, yet make up less than 6% of the share of broadcast TV roles. The numbers take an even further dip when you look behind the curtain. Fanny saw this issue. So together with her business and life partner, Nelson Grande, they've built Avenida Productions, an LA-based business to help independent filmmakers create, fund, and distribute their projects. We're proud to say that this episode of Moneda Moves is sponsored by LabVC, a purpose-driven venture capital firm investing in Latino-led businesses, including Avenida Productions. LabVC is on a mission to catalyze the most entrepreneurial yet undercapitalized cohort in the U.S. by investing in businesses led by Latinos. It's aiming to invest more than $100 million. You can learn more about them via lat.vc. That's lat.vc. Fanny and Nelson, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. So both of you come from a rich background in video production and entertainment. Can you share an elevator pitch for Avenida Productions, your mission and vision statement? So we are a non-traditional movie studio. We're located in Los Angeles, and we've found ways for our clients to fund, produce, and distribute their films directly to audiences, circumventing the Hollywood system that often keeps us out. Uh, we have technology solutions. And we are committed to transforming the way Hollywood operates and to create more opportunity for underrepresented communities in our industry. And as we can tell from year-over-year reports of representation in Hollywood industry, we know that that is a very dire topic that needs to be addressed. So talk us through that process from just your experiences and if you could share a little bit more about what that was like being a part of the Hollywood industry before launching your own company. What does it take to get a project launched? Well, it's not easy. I'll say that Hollywood is not easy for most people. 
But when you're a person of color or a woman or LGBTQ, things are much, much harder. Before coming to LA, you know, I lived in Venezuela. I grew up acting. And when I moved to the US, I quickly found that the roles offered to me were stereotypes or they didn't exist at all. And then when I moved to Hollywood, obviously, the problem I realized was much larger than I thought. So I decided to start creating my own content and won a bunch of awards at major festivals, but I could not get representation. I still couldn't get my projects funded the traditional way. And it wasn't just me, it was many of my counterparts. So as it is, Hollywood is designed to be exclusive, right? And it's all about who you know. Like, that is a very real statement. And a lot of people in our communities don't know anybody. (laughs) So we have to start from scratch and try to get in. It's very, very difficult. And although I had some success, it was very limited. And that's why I started to create my own content. And then my husband, Nelson, and I joined forces to open Avenida. And he has a similar path as an actor yeah yeah nelson you're from the la area right or highland park highland park there we go let's be more specific highland park it's on the map now it wasn't a few years ago but now everyone knows what highland park is yeah it was a quite interesting experience for me because growing up in la i got to see a lot of this actual filming in person i got to see quentin tarantino running around on film and reservoir dogs and a lot of amazing things and watching Mi Familia filmed across the street from my house in Cena. So to me, Hollywood was my community. It was literally within my community. I would walk out the door and see it being filmed. I always knew it was tough, but when I started pursuing it as a career, it just, just something just wasn't matching up. You know, just nothing was matching up. I was being asked to be a different persona than who I really was. Going into auditions, it'd be like, hey, you're an LAPD officer. Great, read these lines. It'd be like, great, you're a Latino. Do it with an accent. The guy's from LA. I'm like, well, I'm from LA and I don't have a thick foreign accent. I may have a regional LA accent, whatever it is. But, you know, it was, it was really, um, it was a huge turnoff, you know, already being a difficult industry as is. And I think what really inspired me to jump was that I was doing all the right things. You know, I was doing all the right things. I was taking all the right classes. I was meeting all the right people. I was, you know, paying for these workshops. And it's not that I wasn't booking the job because I'll always leave that little bit up to maybe I wasn't good enough. I wasn't even getting the opportunities. My Hmm. non-people of color counterparts, (laughs) interesting, I have, we're having (laughs) five times as many opportunities to go to bat than I was when I was a heck of a lot more prepared. So that once I really got a a solid understanding of the discrimination within this industry is uh, is when I decided to jump. And that kind of coincided when Fanny and I started dating and joined forces in creating Avenida. I love it. Uh, just joining your experiences, uh, Nelson, you being from the U.S., but also L.A., which has such a big representation of Latinos, but Fanny, also you coming from an immigrant experience and then just being hit with this very odd way of looking at people who are of Latino heritage. It's like you're either fit for a certain role or you are not given a chance entirely, Nelson, as was the case in, in your situation. And so then 
looking at Avenida Productions and turning the model on its head and focusing on grassroots is something that I found very interesting to lower some of these very high barriers that folks have, talented folks have, in order to get into this industry and harness grassroots power, which is exactly what our story does, support our story, which is your platform. Can you talk to us a little bit more about what this enables people to do and the model that filmmakers go through in terms of using this for fundraising. What we had to do, Fanny and I have, to get our projects made, obviously because the traditional model wasn't working, we weren't being funded now as creators. We had to turn to the community, to people that understood us. And the way we were able to do that was through crowdfunding. And this is something that we've been doing for years and years. You know, Fanny had a little more jump on this prior to us getting together with one of her films. But what we found is that by going directly to the community, we were able to actually have access to this without having to ask for permission. So doing this over and over, and for the course of the first few years of Avenida's existence, that was one of our primary services we offered because, not just to say we were really good at it, was we are highly skilled at it, but the thing is, there was a deeper need within our communities and, you know, not just Latino communities, but Latino communities, people of color, LGBTQ and other communities that are underrepresented. So the more we pulled on this thread, the more we realized there was a heck of a lot more thread to be pulled. And one thing Fanny and I have always been committed to is, is supporting the independent creator at any level and understanding that a lot of people in our communities are short on resources. We had to revamp our services from charging people a larger sum of money to help them raise the money. We were completely skipping a lot of our community with that. So we invested heavily in creating this technology for support our story, which is our platform that you just mentioned. And it is, it is an incredibly unique and outstanding platform. What we've done is we've taken our skills. And when I say our, I mean, mostly Fanny, <laughs> Fanny's skills in coaching and everything that she and we have all done in raising millions and millions of dollars for, you know, countless projects now. And we create this technology where the platform recognizes where users are. So from the very beginning, when someone signs up all the way to the end, our platform has several different metric points and points of measurement to actually really see what specific instruction is needed to help move that campaign forward. So essentially, we create the first crowdfunding platform that actually coaches and guides you along the way, which is huge for our, not just independent creators, but especially for our communities who didn't have access to any of this before. I'm happy to say we launched just a couple of months ago and we've already raised with just a handful of beta testers. We've already raised a quarter million dollars. That's absolutely incredible. And so I went and took a look at Supporter Story and the platform and some of the different creators that were on there. And I was really impressed by the diversity of stories. We had everything from this project called Legally Brown, which seemed to be about two women that got deported in Mexico, but had not spent any of their adult or teen lives in, in Mexico, to everything to the story uh, based on some sort of ethnic myth and kind of being incorporated into an original storytelling. And a lot of these were more than 100% funded. So more than 100% towards their goal. Can you talk to us about what this is able to help them accomplish? What can they do with that money now that they have it and this barrier that they're able to remove and, and now cross that level of funding? Yes, yeah, really incredible what crowdfunding does. We love it because you're not trying to convince some executive in a high tower to give you money, right? You literally go to the community and tell them, hey, I want to represent us in a way that we've never seen before, right? So a lot of these projects are that, are stories that have never been told before, 
and our clients connect directly to their audiences and get their projects funded. Some of the benefits are that it's very fast. These campaigns are only 30 days long. You know, if you're trying to do the traditional Hollywood funding, it might take a decade or so. Also, you're you're engaging with your fan base before you've even shot one frame. And it also, like we said, democratizes access, right? You don't have to prove like to investors or to buyers that your project it's valuable because you know it's valuable because the community is telling you it's valuable so those are just some of the reasons we love crowdfunding and we're very proud of the work that we're doing and of our new platform yeah crowdfunding is just harnessing the power of the people exactly <laughs> the more and more that i think about it i really really do enjoy the portion the part of that how it's democratizing access because there are some incredibly creative and smart people out there who can tell the best stories, but just because they don't have the resources or the connections to whoever it is that would allow them to tell their story, they can raise a, a certain amount of money and, and tease it and tell it. And what that does, besides giving everyone a level playing field, as consumers and viewers, it also levels up the game. If you allow just the best stories to come out, the type of content and the quality of the content and the storytelling is just going to elevate over time rather than it just being, okay, here are the people with resources. You tell the stories, open it up to everyone else. Then we're really going to start to see some creativity. And then we can see that on social media these days, TikTok and Instagram, you see a lot of youth and youngsters that are making millions of dollars off of their creativity. If we put some resources into that, I'm, I'm just excited to see what, what we're going to start seeing in the next few years. That's very exciting. And I'm wondering if you could walk me a little bit through just putting numbers to this. I think we talked about this before our interview a little bit. How much does it usually cost for somebody to fundraise to go live with their project, right? So for production and then distribution. I was shocked by some of the distribution costs that you shared with me previously. What exactly is the cost of being a creative? And do filmmakers usually expect to make any money when they start to distribute? The thing is, the, major, the, the traditional way of thinking is that you need millions of dollars. And yeah, it, it's nice to have millions of dollars. I won't ever discourage anyone from our community if they have access to that to, to turn it down. No, absolutely. However, crowdfunding in general, and I'm speaking specifically for creative projects. Now, statistics nationwide is when it comes to creative types of crowdfunding, on average, and this is, again, outside of our company, the average campaign raises $0. And the ones that do raise money and succeed raise about $5,000 only. Our campaigns raise between twenty and $60,000 on average, which is much higher than the average. Now, the reason I share that is because with the numbers that we're able to help people raise with that type of money, that can set you up with a couple of different options. Number one, if you're shooting short film, 20K is potentially enough, depending on what your script is. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60K. Additionally, what that does is people can also use that toward development funds, where they put a package together to develop their projects and then go for the bigger pitch. So now they are set up more powerfully one step forward. On top of that, what we've seen happen very often is we've seen people raise money with us. And because investors will take a look and be like, wow, look at all of these people have given you money for something that you haven't even created yet. They come in with investment because now they see this creator hustles. It got skin in the game. 
and they've got a following for something that has not even shot a single frame. Yeah, for distribution. If you're lucky enough to get distribution, you know, most films that do get distribution, filmmakers won't see a dime for seven years or so because, you know, the distributors get very creative when it comes to accounting. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to do self-distribution, usually the theater chains will ask you for $30,000, $40,000 per market for the week to show your film. And most filmmakers don't have that. So we've come up with another solution for that, which is we have a, a partnership with movie theater chains across the country. And if somebody wants to watch one of the films, they can request it at their local movie theater. And all that needs to happen is for enough tickets to get pre-sold to cover the cost of a screening. So it's, it's called cinema on demand, right? So the movie doesn't yeah. get screened unless you sell enough tickets. But we find that this is a great way for filmmakers who've crowdfunded because they already have a fan base to distribute their films. Also, people who haven't crowdfunding can use this technique, but this is the system that we've created. We want to engage the audience from the very beginning of the filmmaking process. And those two words that you just used, on demand, is exactly how I would describe everything because it sounds like you, from the grassroots, from the inception and the pitching of the idea, you're speaking to your followers, your fan base, and you're asking hey, do you want to see this come to life? Then contribute, invest in our idea. Now, do you want to see it at your local movie theater? Request it. It'll come to you. So I think that this is very smart. It's on a need basis. It's on a demand basis and definitely is more reasonable for this like scaled budget depending on the demand. And so I want to get to know a little bit better you, Fanny and Nelson, because I was looking at your bios and I was just blown away. I mean, Fanny, you have more than 14 years of experience in the business. You've worked with Nat Geo and brands like Ford and Nissan. And I want to know, after all of that time in the industry, what made you want to pivot to running a business and then flip to the other (laughs) side and offering other people in the industry these services? Well, what happened is I did this for my first feature film because I was so tired of waiting for somebody to give me the green light. So I crowdfunded my first feature. I produced it with the community. And then when nobody would buy it, I went to the community and they said, hey, what can I do? So people started requesting my movie at their local movie theater, and that's how I was able to sell it. And right after that, a lot of other artists started asking, how'd you do that? Can you teach me? So I sort of was helping on the side as a favor because I really believe (laughs) in creating opportunities. And the reason I became an entrepreneur is because my husband was like, this is a business. You're giving it away for free. (laughs) So that's how we opened Avenida. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So now we need to know, we need to know how you both met then. We need to know how these powers came to be together. (laughs) Nelson was in one of my movies like 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 15, 16 years ago. 15, 16 years ago. He's an actor with, we had a mutual friend and he was in one of my short films and, you know, it's a small community, Latino Hollywood. So we were running to each other here and there and he would flirt and I'd ignore him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she ignored me. <laughs> and then years later, six years ago, so a lot, a long time passed, he called me because a friend of his had written a script and they wanted some notes. He sent it to me. And 
that's when we rekindled, right? Yeah. We went up and we're talking about the script, which was the original intention. And I just kept coming up with reasons. <laughs> I was like, hey, Fanny, we got to meet again about this script. And she's just like, wait, wait we don't need to. I, I'm going to read it. I'm like, no, 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 no. We should definitely meet and talk about the script. And I, and I took my buddy along. It was my buddy, Abraham. And I, I brought him along on these meetings. Like, hey, we're meeting Fanny again. Come on, we're meeting Fanny again. You know, two, three more times. Until eventually he was like, listen, dude, I know what you're up to here. You guys just meet up alone now. <laughs> and, you know, but it was one of those things with us where, it, you know, when they say when you just know, you know. I told, <laughs> I've never, ever, ever told anyone this, but when I, uh, there was one time with him, you know, the time it was right, we were both single. I looked at her and I don't know what possessed me or what it was, but I told her, you're going to be Fanny Grande one day. Wow. Bold. Very bold. <laughs> <laughs> that was before we even kissed. <laughs> he did tell me that <laughs> at an event that I was producing, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, both of you willed it and as a power <laughs> couple as well. Yes. So it's my impression, and, and let me know if I'm reading this wrong. Fanny, you bring all of this experience. You were already running the function over here. It sounds like <laughs> you were already helping people coaching them through the production and potentially even distribution. And Nelson, you're also a big part of the story because you have experience. I was reading in your bio in the media industry since the age of 19, but like take a spin on business on it. Like you had a little bit of more of a sales business. You had that touch. So can you walk us through a little bit more about what you brought and how you plug into Avenida Productions? Just from a young age, I've always liked the idea of making a little more money. Like I had, I had, I had some wonderful examples. You know, I, I, I was lucky enough to be the youngest child for a long time until my youngest brother came along. But, you know, I was really inspired by watching my dad. And my dad would always throw little business tips at me like, hey, you want to make sure you do this? You want to do that? And then seeing my older brother, who was a hustler. And then I had another older brother who was just really creative out here. So I think that being raised around the right environment brought me up into being this person. And then, you know, when I got into acting, I didn't want to take like an hourly wage job where I knew I was capped. I always was just hungry for more and hungry for more. So through acting, I would work with different companies as sales agent. And I was always a top sales agent. I was on retention companies where people were trying to cancel their services. I would sign them up for two more years. And I was director of sales for a food company and took them from just a handful of stores to hundreds of stores. So to me, I really get excited with challenges and growing something that I feel strongly and passionate about. And then all these things and all these companies that I've worked with, while supporting my acting growth, were always companies or services or products that I thought would genuinely help people grow. So when Fanny and I rekindled and started talking about the script <laughs> and dating, <laughs> I was looking at her and I was just like, sweetheart, you are a business. And what I've done in my background is really my role here, operations. I take something that's a good idea and I elevate it. I have a very neutral approach to things. I don't think that my idea is always the best. I really kind of slice and dice things down. But when it came to slicing and dicing it down, Fanny was already working on an offering and all the momentum she had. and giving it away for free, I was like, okay, business, we're forming. A month later, I quit my job. Fanny followed soon after, and we just started rocking and rolling our first month. And like they say, the rest is history. 
Wow. What a story of just conviction and for both of you to quit your jobs to dive full in. I mean, we can see just based on the people that have signed up via your platform, the projects that have been possible, just some of the exciting things that have been happening. But I'd like to peel back the curtain a little bit further. And for you to tell me firsthand, what are some of the most exciting projects you're working on right now? What's going on in the studio? What films are might we see in theaters that you're excited about? We have a documentary that we've been working on for six years <laughs> that we're finally releasing. And it's called My DACA Life. So it's about dreamers. And we've been filming it for that long because a lot has been happening around immigration and dreamers and we have to keep filming. <laughs> so we're very excited about that. We're about to release Nelson has a talk show, which he interviews celebrities while they have a cocktail. We're going <laughs> to release that soon. And we just have several projects that we're working on that are really exciting. We're also going to be releasing our streaming network is going to be rolled out this, this summer. It's amazing. What is it called? Avenida TV. Just because it's easier to understand and associate. It's, it's essentially the Latino BET. The Latinos are such a huge market. Mm-hmm. But when people think about Latino market, they're like, Telemundo, Univision. And we're like, no, no, no. Hey, we're all speaking English here. Our grandparents watched Univision and Telemundo. And then that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But there's just a huge mismatch. And there's just a miss in general understanding who the alpha bind power is. And that is us. That's actually the three of us here and, and anyone else that's kind of within our demographic here. And the network itself is going to be American Latino content, English-based stuff. But I'm sure we'll have some Spanish language stuff in there too, but nothing that's inauthentic. We really want to focus on who we are as people and the stuff that we enjoy without stereotypes. But the network is one thing that I'm, I'm really excited about in addition to the stuff Manny's saying. And we are going to be shooting a lot more of our original content here in studio, which is exciting because we get to write it upstairs, go downstairs and shoot it. <laughs> I could talk about what I'm excited about forever, but one other thing I'm excited about is just that we've built this ecosystem and we built this ecosystem because we wanted to build something that what we wanted to see and something that wasn't there and we'd hoped it was there when we were struggling. And not to say that there's no more struggle. There's always going to be a struggle. But I'm really excited to see how many people we can help and the stories that they all share. Because Fanny and I can only write and produce so much when you have this vessel that can help hundreds and thousands of people. I think in my heart, that's really what I'm excited about. Yeah. And there's so much opportunity for growth here. And so to be able to source original stories from our community, I think that that's very powerful. We know that the stories, the whole reason one of them moves exists, the whole reason I'm sure Avenida exists is because the stories we tell about ourselves are very powerful. They, there's a way that stories become truth because they are the truth. They, it's, it's, it's the truth that we tell ourselves. And so I, I really love all of the variety of stories that are in the support our story landing page and also excited to see everything that comes of the streaming service that is incoming. But we did talk a little bit about representation earlier in the interview, and I kind of want to bring it back because unfortunately, the representation in Hollywood has historically not accurately represented the talent in our communities, right? So just bringing up some stats from the last report that we saw from UCLA's Hollywood Diversity Report, which we reference a lot. Latinos are more than 18% of the U.S. population, but made up only 5.3% of the share of broadcast TV roles in 18 to 19 year. And then behind the scenes, those numbers are not great either. They've not made 5% of employed WGA film writers since 2008. So 
How do you hope Avenida will shape the future of what this looks like? Well, we're already shifting things. A lot of our clients are directing for major networks. They've sold their products to Netflix, PBS, HBO, and other platforms. Others have gotten their films distributed nationwide. So we know that the work that we're doing is already making an impact. You know, a lot of these diversity programs out there focus on the celebrities and our focus is on the storytellers because we want to uplift the storytellers because at the end of the day, they're the ones creating the films, right? And we believe that that way we're going to create even more celebrities that are able to green light a film. Yeah, absolutely. And because we have such few celebrities, it's almost like a lot of these programs are the same program with a different name, same celebrity, same story, same talk again and again and again. And with us, it's like, we're tired of it. And especially us being part of the community, we already know that same talk over and over. So we're like, you know, we're making celebrities. We're going to make decision makers. We're going to make all of this. And, and the fact is, is that, you know, this country is Latinos buying power and population is just growing astronomically. I don't care who you are as an executive at whatever company you're at. If you ignore us, you're you're ignoring your your right your your duty as an executive to your company. So when you think about that, you almost have to think and realize it's like we're intentionally being left up. Not only are we not understood, we're either intentionally being left out because of you know whatever reasons, or they just don't care to learn who we are. And you know, at the end of the day, it's okay. It's their miss, and we'll be the ones to pick it up and. It's fine because it's better that we tell our stories rather than others that don't know us. Agreed, agreed. And I mean, with more than two trillion buying power, we certainly are aware of that economic power that sits within our arena, which is why I think it's so clever to lean in on grassroots, to lean in on our own communities and those stories that are already there. So I'm very excited to see the future of Avenida, everything that you have to bring to the table and the table that you're building because you saw it and it exists. So you said, we're going to build it and they're going to come. And that's exactly what's happening here. As two people who originally work in entertainment and pivoted in, in separate ways uh, into the same space and running a business company, I want to know what has been your biggest money learning to date. And I mean, in my eyes, I feel like both of you are a power couple, right? coming from the entertainment industry, spinning into business. Talk to us a little bit about some of your biggest learnings and what advice you might give to other folks. I'll share mine. And honestly, this, is, this was a massive shift. My relationship to money, how I thought about money. You know, culturally, and I invite, I invite listeners and I invite anyone to, to, to really take this on who, who, who looks into breaking to another level. It doesn't matter what level you're at. You know, you, you have a certain relationship with money and generally it's because of your upbringings and your, 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 your previous circumstances. And, you know, and I think that a lot of people in, in my, in my shoes have, have very similar experiences. You know, you grew up as, you know, immigrant parents who had to keep their head down, save, not take chances so they can give us a better opportunity. Now, rather than adopt that same mentality, you have to you have to disrupt that and you got to break through and shift it and your relationship with money and understand that they took it this far now it's your turn to take it a step further and i think the 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 one revelation that really helped it click 
was when I realized just how much money there is available in this world. There are just sums and sums of money sitting in people's accounts, but they just don't know where to put it. And when I made that shift in understanding that my current financial situation and views on money are very, very, very different than someone else, it, it was easier to understand that you can build a bridge to it because you may not have the, the resource in dollars, but anyone can have the resource in original idea and story and the next billion dollar idea. So for me, it was just my relationship with money and understanding that there's a whole lot of it out there and just operating from a place of like, there's more, there's more, there's always more to earn. There's always more to get. And there's always more that you don't even know is there. I relate with that. And I also feel like part of me is hearing perhaps undertones of cultural capital yeah, and the cultural capital that our community has that maybe we sometimes don't see the physical dollars come in because the tables have traditionally been built by leaders that don't have our representation sitting at that board of directors. But now that we're building the tables with our board of directors in them, surely we, we can see the landscape change. Fanny, what would you say on your end? For me, I'm very clear that it takes money to make money. <laughs> we are currently um, doing a seed round and we're learning so much and we're very lucky to have a venture capital partner that believes in us and you know this is all new stuff and i think for me i didn't know but i realized i was afraid of money <laughs> not anymore but it's like it really does take money and it's okay to to take investors and 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 to let other people be part of your journey because if you want to have the impact that we want to have and grow this company to truly be a disruptor for this industry, we have to, we have to allow capital and we have to, you know, work with other partners. So that to me has been the biggest learning lesson for me. Absolutely. And you're talking about LatVC, which has dedicated its funds working on Latino-led companies, which are clearly bringing original ideas and creating new environments, new ecosystems for our community to not only survive, but also thrive in. Finally, I want to let our social media listeners know where can they continue following you online? Our Instagram is at Avenida Productions. That's a cool place to find us there. Facebook, same thing. Look us up as Avenida Productions. LinkedIn, look us up as Avenida Productions. Yeah. Yeah, we post some cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Fanny Nelson, thank you so much for sharing your journey to Avenida Productions, a little bit more about your projects and the journey that you're taking filmmakers and creatives on to help get their projects on the big screen and also profit while at it. And really enjoyed listening to your story and look forward to seeing your growth. Thank you, mi gente, for joining us this week on Moneda Moves. Before you go, please make sure to hit follow on this podcast so you can receive new episodes right when they are released. You can follow right now in the app you're using to listen to this podcast. Also, continue keeping cuentas and keeping tabs on our Latinx community and money moves via our free newsletter written by yours truly at monedamoves.substack.com. That's monedamoves.substack.com. 
www.thebrandmovement.com. I'll see you there. Hasta la próxima.